Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Now I know some of you, or many of you, are new, uh, maybe just visiting for the first time today, so I want to tell you a story you may have heard before, and I don't usually tell stories like this because it's kind of corny and goofy, and I don't like to tell corny and goofy stories, but I believe the point is very serious, so here goes. There was once a conversation uh, between a pig and a chicken. And since I live on a farm, I could actually see this happening. And the pig and the chicken were walking by a church one day. And they saw on the sign out in front of the church was the title of the pastor's sermon. How can we help the poor? And the pig and the chicken were vigorously debating and brainstorming and trying to think of ideas of how the two of them could help the poor. When the chicken had a light bulb go off and came up with a great idea. The chicken said, we can help the poor by giving them a ham and eggs breakfast. (laughs) The pig said, whoa, 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 whoa. The pig continued, for you, that only means a contribution. But for me, it means total commitment. (laughs) You make the connection to walking with the Lord in our Christian lives, and too many times we think that following Jesus is just a matter of making a contribution. We'll contribute a little bit of our time, a little bit of our money, a little bit of our energy. But for the most part, we want to remain intact. We want to run our lives the way we want to run them. We want to spend our time and money and energy the way we want to have them spent and used. And often, we view our Christian lives as just a matter of contributing here and there while we remain intact. The truth is, Jesus did not have that in mind. He wasn't looking for contributors. He was looking for a total commitment. He said this in the New Testament in Mark 8, 34. He said, if anyone, I'll put it up on the screen for you. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus isn't looking for a contribution. He's looking for total commitment to follow him. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and go all the way with him even to the point of death. That's what he had in mind. And what I want to do this morning is take the idea that Jesus puts front and center, and I want to look at an Old Testament equivalent. As we finish up the book of Joshua this morning, we've been with it all summer, we're going to see this idea of total commitment, even in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua. What's going to happen is Joshua is going to rehearse all these victories, which is the display of God's grace. And then after he tells them, God has given you so much grace, it makes sense that you're going to totally commit your life to him. It just makes sense. So today's going to be really simple. We're going to go to the book 
of Joshua chapter 24. And if we're going to look at display of God's grace and the idea of total commitment. Grace and total commitment. That's where we're going. Let's jump in and do it. Let's start with verse 1 of chapter 24 and start with the grace. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and their judges and their officers. And they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, From ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. Right, Israel's all gathered before Joshua. They're all gathered before the Lord. And the Lord wants to bring them to the back to their beginning. And the beginning of Israel involved idolatry and serving other gods. We like to think of Father Abraham, right? Father Abraham and many sons, right? We like to think of Father, Father Abraham coming from such a wholesome background. But he, along with his family, were pagans serving false gods. Now, I don't know what your background is. Maybe you've come from a background where there's no Christian influence. Maybe you were an atheist. Or maybe you were brought up in a Christian home. But the Bible, if I'm understanding it rightly, it's very explicit in the New Testament. The Bible says that from birth, you with this? From birth, you were opposed to God. This past Wednesday, we had the Collinsworth family up here, and they packed the stage and packed the house. And one of the songs that they sung on Wednesday night was a song called It Runs in the Family. You may remember that, that song where they brought all their family members up here, and you know, they got their... You know, they have four kids, and then they got, have spouses, and now they have grandkids. And they sing the song called It Runs in the Family. And the idea is that not only are the parents musical, but their kids are musical, and now their grandkids are musical. They've kind of passed it on down. And I was wondering, I was thinking to myself, well, what would it look like if I had my family up here? What would I say runs in the family? And I was really at my seat thinking, what would I say? It runs in the family. What have I passed on to my kids? And I was thinking, I was thinking, and I couldn't think of anything. So then I got theological. And I said, you know, you know what I've passed on to my kids? Sin. It's true theologically, right? I know it doesn't make for a good production, but it's true theologically. All of us, according to the Bible, are dead in our transgressions and were by nature children of wrath. I know that's not good things to think about, but you and I, in our natural state, were just as lost as pagan Abraham. Left to ourselves, according to the Bible, we would never make a move toward God because the dead don't move. And we were dead in our transgressions. And the only hope that we had is God's intervention. And what we're about to see is the intervention of God displayed in the Old Testament on behalf of his people. Pastor Jim just read this passage this morning, and I'm not going to cover every verse of that, but I want you to notice again. Can you, can you peek with me again at, at verses 3 through 13? And I want you if, you, if you want to, to notice all the I statements. And if you want to underline the, the word, the letter I, circle it. Even if you have a pew Bible, you can do it in the pew Bible. All right, so here, here we go. Notice all the I statements. Look at the intervention of God. Start in verse 3. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. Verse 4. To Isaac, I 
gave Jacob and Esau, and to Esau I gave Mount Seir to possess it. Skip to verse 5. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt by what I did in its midst. And afterward, I brought you out. Verse 6. I brought your fathers out of Egypt. Let's get to verse 7, the very end. And your own eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Verse 8, then I brought you into the land of the Amorites. At the end, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land when I destroyed them before you. Verse 10, but I was not willing to listen to Balaam, so he, did, so he had to bless you, and I delivered you from his hand. Verse 11, you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. And at the end, I gave them into your hand. Verse 12, then I sent the hornet before you and it drove out the two kings of the Amorites from before you. And lastly, verse 13, I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities which you had not built and you lived in them. You were eating of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Israel did not move toward God. But God moved toward Israel. Israel did not multiply themselves, but God multiplied them. Israel did not deliver themselves from Egypt, but God delivered them. Israel did not conquer the land, but God conquered it for them. Israel's very existence and abundant blessings are from God's grace alone. It was God all the time. It was his grace all the time. All God all the time, all grace all the time. This summer, I got to return to the scene of God's intervention in my life and saving me. 28 years ago, I was saved at a camp in Branson, Missouri, and this past summer, my children got to go to the same camp. And as I reflect back on my life, 28 years ago, I was doing my own thing. I was trying to accumulate stuff. I was engaged in immoral relationships outside of God's will. I was taking his name in vain, and I had a heart set on serving self. I was dead in my sins and a target of God's wrath. And at the point where I'm dead, the Bible tells me that something happened. It's God's intervention of grace. The book of Ephesians puts it this way in Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. This happened to you. This happened to me. You're a follower of Christ. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But God... Being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. When I was dead, I did not make myself alive. I was made alive in Jesus Christ by God's grace alone. And your salvation story may be dramatic or maybe it's not dramatic, but the reality is that you were dead and you were brought to life in Christ Jesus by God's grace alone. Your very existence of redemption comes by the grace of God. You don't take any credit for it. You don't give glory to self for it. And basically you can say your life is all God all the time, all grace all the time. Your very existence as a follower of Christ is like the existence of Israel. And you are in the church now and you say, all God, all the time, all grace, all the time. And you give glory to him and him alone. And since this grace has come to you, if it has in Christ Jesus, if you've repented and you're following Christ, if you're going to now respond to what God has done, it just makes sense for it to be a total commitment. Because what God has done in Christ makes sense for it to be a total commitment. 
Not a contribution here and there, but total commitment. And that is exactly what was expected of those in the Old Testament, and it's what is expected of those in the New Testament, and it's what is expected of those today. If God has moved towards you in grace, your response is one of total commitment. And let's see what it looks like during Joshua's time. Look at verse 14. Now, therefore, okay, remember, talked about the grace. Now, response. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The response to God's grace is not to make a contribution, but total commitment. Verse 14, did you see it? Fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away false gods. There are basically two ways that you can live your life. You can have a total commitment to the Lord or you can have a divided heart among the idols of the land. And Joshua pushes for total commitment when he says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. I love it. Joshua even gives them options. He's like, okay, you can go back and you can serve the gods beyond the river or you can serve the gods in the Egypt or you can serve the gods in the land of the Amorites. Do what you want to do or you can serve the Lord, but you need to choose. Choose this day whom you are going to serve. And whatever they chose, it's up to them. But Joshua is locked in and he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let me give you a little New Testament expression of this. Uh, Romans 12, verse 1. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. In view of all the grace and all the mercy that God has poured out on you, your response is to be one of total commitment. It's a handing over of your whole life as an act of worship. And this, this choice to follow the Lord is not a one and done. It's not a one and done. It's not like you choose once and you're set. No, no, no. You choose, and then each day you choose again, and then the rest of your life you're committed to following the Lord with total commitment. And, and do you realize that each day when you wake up, you've got a choice. You have a choice whether you're going to serve the Lord or you're going to serve idols, Right? You wake up each day and you say, okay, I'm going to serve the Lord or I'm going to serve recreational idols. I'm going to serve the Lord or I'm going to serve political idols. I'm going to serve the Lord or I'm going to serve relational idols. I'm going to serve the Lord or I'm going to serve money idols. You understand? Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. Uh-uh. Can't do it. You're going to love the one and hate the other. You can't serve both God and money. Jesus, Jesus brings this home over and over again. And the daily choice is between the Lord and other things, and the Lord leaves nothing out. Someone has once said, Christ is either Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. Christ is either Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. That's why it's a daily getting up and committing your life to fall on the Lord and him alone. Now, I'm wondering how the people of Israel are going to respond. Look at the way they respond. Check out verse 16. The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. And the very first of 18, the very, the very last part of verse 18, says, We also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. 
The people are like, we're all in. We're totally committed. We've seen what the Lord done. We're going to follow him. Absolutely. We're following the Lord. Joshua, we're with you. And Joshua's like, really? I love Joshua. He's, he's just the way I would talk. He's like, really? You're, you're going to serve the Lord? No, I don't think so. Yeah, like he pushes back at him. Look what he says in verse 19. Then Joshua said to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord. <laughs> For he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgression or your sins. It's like Joshua's like, he's, he's hitting him. He's hitting him. He's like, are you really going to serve the Lord? Because Joshua's getting at this heart of the idea of a shallow commitment. God is holy. He is jealous. If they're making a shallow or surface commitment, then the Lord's not going to forgive their sin and he will consume them. And Joshua goes right at their heart and I believe the Holy Spirit through his word goes right at our hearts and every single person in here are you really committed to the Lord or is it a shallow and surface commitment I mean, we, we live in this land where people claim to be a Christian people claim to be a follower of Christ maybe they walked an aisle raised a hand maybe they were baptized but a lot of this commitment is just shallow it's surface and it's everywhere there's a show on TV that you shouldn't watch. It's called The Bachelorette. Yeah, you're laughing because you watch it, right? Don't be watching that show. Uh, it finished up uh, recently, and I have no idea how it finished it up, and I'm not going to explain the premise of the show, but this year was a, a very famous statement by the main, main person, the, the woman on the show, because she's claiming to be a follower of Christ. She's claiming to be a Christian. And she's saying publicly, I follow Christ, and I have no problem with premarital sex. And the, the, the show and the media has picked up on this, and they've called it her sex and Jesus declaration. She sees no problem. Her Christianity is shallow. It's surface. It's a nod to Jesus. What's up, Jesus? While just doing whatever she wants to do. And I just think about this village here, and I think this Sunday morning, Churches all over the village right now, even this church right here. Maybe there's a man who says he's a follower of Jesus, and yet he spends his week, I'm just telling you, spends his week disrespecting his wife, cussing up a storm on the golf course, and living retirement all for himself. And he shows up at church, and he's like, I'm here to contribute. It's a nod to Jesus. What's up, Jesus? And just doing whatever he wants to do. That is a shallow and a surface commitment and, I, and I've got to ask the question I've got to ask the question of every single person in here are you following Jesus or is Jesus following you are you following Jesus or is Jesus following you and I want to kind of tip you off on something here I've read this before and I'm going to tip you off and I'm just going to tell you God doesn't come with a leash God doesn't come with a leash he just doesn't you can make up all types of stuff about what it means to follow the Lord, but in reality, he doesn't come with a leash. He won't follow you. He is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And Joshua may doubt their commitment, but they say, no, 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 no. We are in to follow the Lord. Look at verse 21. Verse 21. People say to Joshua, no, 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 but we will serve the Lord. <laughs> Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen for yourselves the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. 
Now therefore put away the foreign gods which are in your midst and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. People said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and we will obey his voice. And at this point in history, it seems that those are truthful statements. In fact, we are told that Israel stayed on track as the book of Joshua finishes up. Look at verse 31. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua and had known all the deeds of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Ah, it's so glorious. Just don't read the book of Judges. As long as Joshua and that crew is alive, they really are serving and following the Lord. They are totally committed to him. But the generations that follow, shallow, surface, commitment and God brings down his wrath on them in many 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 ways and as we're finishing up Joshua and we're finishing up the book I was just I just want to leave you with some thoughts about total commitment so we we're, we're understand what we're talking about when we say total commitment so there's no misunderstanding if you get in your small groups and talk about this I want to make sure you know what we're talking about from the book of Joshua so here's some thoughts on total commitment number one total commitment is the logical response to the grace of God it is logical response. The Bible doesn't tell you to be totally committed and then the Lord will may love you. No, 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 no. It's the logical response to grace. He gives you Jesus Christ, perfect life, atoning death, burial, resurrection. By grace through faith, you are saved, adopted to the family, justified, declared righteous. You'll live forever with him. The response is one of total commitment. It just makes sense. Just makes sense. It's the right response to grace. The second thing is this. Total commitment produces fruitfulness. Total commitment produces fruitfulness. Those who are truly committed to Jesus Christ will bear fruit. I'm going to say it again. Those who are truly committed to Jesus Christ will bear fruit. And it's not the fruit bearing that saves you. But those who have chosen Jesus Christ will exhibit good works. Once this dad was talking to this little girl, she's about six years old, explaining to her the gospel, what it means to follow Jesus, you know, kind of accept him into her life and commit to him. She came to her dad about a week later and she said, Dad, how tall is Jesus? You know, as dads, we just make stuff up. And the dad's like, uh, maybe he was around 5'10. And the little girl's like, well, how tall am I? Um, you're about 3'6". And the little girl's like, okay, if Jesus is 5'10", and I'm 3'6", and he's coming to my heart, how is he not poking out everywhere? <laughs> right? That's the idea. There's some truth there. If Jesus is truly in your life and you're committed to him, there will be evidence. He will poke out. There will be fruit. There will be works that give glory to him as a response to grace. And the third thing I want to tell you is that total commitment is fueled by ongoing grace. So you got to get this one or you'll miss it. Once you commit your life to Jesus, you're still going to sin. But now you hate it and it grieves you. Do not think that once you come to Christ, you'll never sin again. You still need the gospel and ongoing grace. And you may even do things that in the world's eyes are huge sins. One of my favorite authors and speaker back in the day was R.C. Sproul. Many of you have read his books. His son, R.C. Sproul Jr., was part of his ministry, Legator Ministries. 
And I don't know if you know R.C. Sproul's Jr., uh, his story, but he he's, you know, had some issues. And it came to, came to a head one night when um, he was pulled over and thrown into jail for, and got a DUI. And of course, he would, you know, hates to see his father after such a thing. And you know what his dad said to him? His dad said, Jesus died for sinners. And that's good news because no matter how bad that you may have messed up your life or faltered or even committed to Christ and then you went off the rails, Jesus died for sinners. And you need ongoing grace. You need to continue to bring the gospel to bear on your heart every day because Jesus died for sinners. And the last thing I want to share with you is that total commitment is going all in and all out for Jesus. Total commitment is going all in and all out for Jesus. Once you surrender your life to Christ and you surrender again on a daily basis, you're going to risk it. And basically you're going to say, Jesus, I give you my entire life. Do whatever you want to do. I mean, just think about what is the, the craziest and riskiest and most challenging thing you've done recently? Well, I'll tell you mine. Instead of mowing my lawn this way, I mowed it this way. Yeah. Now, if that sounds like a very bland risk, a very bland, crazy challenge, that's not what we're talking about here. And if that's the craziest thing that you have done and you can relate to me, then we must be missing something. Because Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, risk it all, and follow him even all the way to death. And I'm not talking about just the time we die, but risk it all, even to the point of being killed for him. (laughs) That's what he's calling for. Come on, take it up, let's go. And you may think, and I may think, well, I I don't know, I don't know. Maybe I will follow you, Jesus, but I'm not sure how that's going to turn out because a lot of us, we don't want to totally commit because we don't know the end result. We're like, how is this going to turn out? If I commit myself to you, what's going to happen? I want to introduce you to a, a little animal. And this animal is called the African Impala. I don't know if you've ever seen this animal. It's African Impala. This animal, he can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet long. You with me? That, that, that dude right there, 10 feet high, 30 feet long. And yet zookeepers can contain the African Impala with a three-foot fence. How is that possible? Jump 10 feet high and 30 feet long and a little three-foot fence will keep them in. Why is that? Because the Impala won't jump unless he can see where he's going to land. And so he's contained with his little bitty dinky fence. A lot of times we're like that. We're like, I don't want to totally commit to Christ because I don't know what's going to happen. I want to see where I'm going to land. But my brothers and sisters, our God has proven faithful. He has saved you. He has intervened. He's brought you from death to life. Jesus Christ was sacrificed on the cross, pouring out God's love on you, burial, resurrection, eternal life. Man, but God, I'm not so sure. I want to see how it's going to turn out. I want to see where I'm going to land. But that's not the life of faith. That's not the life of trust. It is a total commitment and surrender to Jesus Christ. And whatever happens, it's all in his hands. All in his hands. I don't know your background. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if you've gone to church for years. But if you're just showing up as a contributor, you know, rethink your life, rethink what's going on in your heart, and go in and go all out in total commitment to Jesus Christ. 
We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.